This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by George Gregan, and yes, it's that George Gregan who uh, used to be the captain of the Wallabies and played 139 times for the Wallabies. Is that right, George? 139? That's correct, Alan. You did your numbers. You've uh, that, that was it. I'm not like a cricketer who knows my decimal point uh, average, but yeah, I played 139 <laughs> test matches for the Wallabies. Which is the most? Which is the most of any player from any country? playing for their country, right? Well, it was, and then that person called Richie McCaw from New Zealand went past myself, and then prior to that, there was a guy called Brian O'Driscoll from Ireland. So I'm number three, but to know, like, we've all three of us have played uh, for our countries for a long period of time, and uh, there's a lot of other centurions who've done that as well, but uh, no, I, I, I was on top for a while, <laughs> then I, they ran no, past well, me th- quickly. That, uh, that reminds us, George, that it's been 12 years since you stopped playing for the Wallabies, and I'm, I'm interested in, obviously you're here, this is talking business here. We're talking, interested to talk to you about your post-rugby businesses, and I'm interested in in just understanding the transition that, that you undertook from rugby into, into business. But it took a while after you stopped playing for the Wallabies in 2007, it took a while to actually stop playing rugby entirely, didn't it? That's true. I finished playing professionally in 2011 at the international stage. My last appearance with the Wallabies was the 2007 uh, Rugby World Cup in France. But I finished my uh, career, I had a season in France playing at Toulon, and then I finished three years at Suntory in, in Japan, which was amazing. And I really enjoyed my time over there. And uh, so, you know, you knew, I think one thing you know as a professional sportsman, particularly a rugby player, your career is going to end. Like you have to, you're going to retire. And uh, I think I was always aware of that whilst I was playing. I remember back in 1998, my wife and I, we set up our espresso bars at couple of espresso bars which has grown over a number of years but she operates that and runs that I, I keep a, a distance from that but um, the, the the understanding that was important that you had something outside of rugby because the nature of rugby um, and a lot of sports is that it could end tomorrow it could end at a training session let alone a game so you have to be thinking about what's happening afterwards and that, that, I think that held me in good stead and it gave you another perspective outside of just living not in, so much in a bubble, but it's a very, it's a very focused and, and very detailed, and I'm not going to say selfish, but it's a team environment and a high-performing team. You're just focused on doing whatever you p- potentially can to prepare as well as you can to hopefully um, be a consistent performer at an elite level. So that that takes up a lot of your bandwidth when you're a professional athlete. Yes, of course. And you mentioned your wife, Erica. She, um, she, she started the business, the espresso bar business, in 1997. So when you left, uh, when you stopped playing rugby professionally, she'd been going, well, that business had been going for 14 years. Did you just slip into um, and join her in that business or did you start doing something else uh, entirely at the, uh, immediately? Yeah, we did something differently. Like always through that, it was obviously in associations. That was her background. She'd worked in hotels, also also food and hospitality. And there's there's a nice trading of the name, so to speak. So there was that nice um, uh, synergy there with our business growing um, and that worked. But the, the actual business running was by her. So outside of, like I think the best thing was having something outside of that environment and I, I really wanted to do that and it sort of came um, through uh, through sport and, and through my associations with other people in rugby, uh, got involved with the health and fitness business which is now called PTP but at that stage was PowerTube Pro. I was involved like to help sort of endorse it because uh, it was a new, it was a new concept. It was a new business. It was a startup business in the health and fitness space and that was something which I'd lived pretty much my whole life. 
So I, I talk about it now and it doesn't actually talk, I don't think of it as work, it was a lifestyle, it's what I did and it's just educating people on how to use it um, and you still associate with some wonderful people who are, in that in, who are in that world at a very high level and they give you some wonderful ideas. So that's, that was how that started, that was end of 2010, 2011 um, and now we're sort of nine years into that journey and we're trading in about 10 different countries but it was basically having what was in my training bag, things like resistance tubes, you've got yoga mats, you've got a whole range of other products which people use in mainstream. But um, obviously, as an elite athlete, you're using that on a daily basis. And uh, that, that was a critical part of getting involved. And I was really fortunate um, by chance, really. It wasn't something you planned. And I think that's been... Uh, how, did the chance, the really how did the chance come about? Well, the chance came about. So Matt Dixon um, and the other... Uh, owner in the business is Alex Goldberg, but uh, Matt and I played rugby against each other. He played for the Waratahs and he also played a little bit uh, at Gordon and they were a very good club team. He played with people like St- Sterling Mortlock and others. They're a very proud club. So we'd played against each other. Came about the idea through his brother-in-law saying, oh, what do you think of this concept of you being the face of, we'd really like you to endorse it and be the brand ambassador for this new concept, which is basically a gym in a bag. So it was about four or five different resistance tubes. You could, it was portable, you could use it indoors, outdoors. And we, and we said, well, if you're gonna do that, let's provide a really good education on how, why, and when you use it. And that education piece was really important. And that's really been something very consistent with everything we've done moving forward. Um, and that was how it began. And I sort of came on just to endorse it, but then I obviously added a little bit more of my expertise and experiences on how to use it. And when we were in Japan, we were actually using those products in the last season, playing there as part of our prehab, they call it at that level. So you do a lot of exercises to prepare your body to train or to play. And then you'll do a lot of that to um, rehab if you're coming back from injury. So these are the sort of exercises and, and activations that you'll do for your different muscle groups. Um, which allows you to train and play at the highest possible level and, and stay away from being on the physio table for being injured. You only want to go on a physio table to get sort of like a, you know, a bit of a tune-up like a car rather than be coming back from injury. So I take it that business has worked. I mean, you, what did you say that you've, um, you know, you're operating in uh, quite a few countries? Is that right? Yeah, it is. Well, fitness, Alan, fitness is everywhere. Like like a squat or a bench press or an arm curl. You can do that in Australia. You can do it in America. You can do it in Germany. Um, you can do it in Canada. So we're in ten different countries, and we're about to going to the US, so to speak, which is exciting for us. And what we what we we've learned over time is obviously being with good people, relationships. Um, being prepared to travel and, and, and describe what it is that we do. And people like that Australian story. Like it is what, what I'm telling you, that's how we started. And um, we've obviously get a lot of our products um, manufactured throughout Asia. Um, and the quality is really, really important. But then we can ship that to all around other parts of the world. And, and what they've liked is the fact that, yeah, it is an Aussie brand. We, we're quite um, agile. We can move quickly. We can bring products to market quickly. It's packaged really, really well. It's supported really well for the people who use it. Um, it tells a nice story um, all around the world. So I think, yeah, we're in the UAE, we're in America, about to go into America, we're in Canada, we're in the UK with Sports Direct um, and, and parts of Asia as well and across the ditch over see in New Zealand. And uh, it's it's been really exciting and a really enjoyable process of uh, growing our our, our brand and our and our business in other markets. We probably should explain what the business is. It's um, sort of fitness equipment that you're selling online, right? Yeah, it is. It's online. It's also in store. So it's called PTP, and uh, that, as I said, it started out as Power Tube Pro. But we started getting into things like yoga mats. We started getting into myofascial release. All these buzzwords, which everyone knows, which is about self massage and those types of products. So, oh, so you started off with one tube. product, which is a power yeah. tube. Yeah. 
Which was the power tube, which was a gym in a bag. Right. So it had five different resistances, which we could you could hand put handles, you could put ankle straps, and you could use right. it indoors, outdoors. You could travel with it. I still travel with it myself. Um, and that's what's great. And the buzzword now, well, not now, but has been for a while, is functional fitness. So you just basically, if you've got your body, you've got resistance. And adding a little bit of resistance um, can actually uh, stress you and also challenge certain movements, which actually your body adapts to. So it's really handy. So you don't necessarily need to go to a traditional gym and load up weights, which some people find a little bit awkward. So you can do it in your own time. Um, and I find that's been very, very popular. And so yeah, we, we've grown that business um, and continue to grow. We, I think we look after about 16 sporting teams throughout Australia from rugby league, um, our, our, our netballers, our, our, our diamonds. Unfortunately, they lost to the Kiwis, the Ferns, but we also support them. Uh, we've got the basketball teams, baseball. So a lot of sporting teams love our products because this is what they do, as I said earlier, to prepare themselves to play, train, and uh, obviously overcome some injuries. So um, I think the the, uh, the cafe and catering business is still going. Um, I think you've got fifteen outlets, cafes, wine bars, and bistros. Is is that um, are you involved in that, or is it just entirely your wife? Yeah, I'm involved a little bit. My wife runs that with her team, so that's been going as I said right from the first business which we set up, which is around the corner from the studio, actually in Clarence Street, which is amazing. Uh, and there's been a, a huge evolution and growth um, in that industry. It's challenging for sure. Um, but that's her background. So, uh, you know, that's something which I think, uh, you know, from a small bar licence, I know that's definitely been something which has definitely changed throughout Sydney and become uh, more more in line with what you see down in Melbourne, which I think is a fantastic thing. Particularly if you're a world city, you've got to have that offering. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's super challenging. There's learnings. It doesn't matter what sort of industry or what business it is. I think there's always a lot of common themes. There's always competition. You've got to get your product right. You've got to be consistent. You've got to have good people. You've got to have them motivated. And they've got to lead by example. I think that's pretty common. It doesn't matter if it's coffee, it's food, or if it's a fitness business. You need good people, and that helps with relationships. That builds trust. And so there's a lot of learnings, which, yeah, I'm not operationally on the, in the business all the time, but there's a lot of things that you'll do, um, which definitely transfer across every industry. You've also got an involvement in um, a foundation, the George Gregan Foundation, which had to do with your son's epilepsy, I think. Yeah, it's true. Um, is that right? Does that take up much of your time? Yeah, well, we've, we've, we've the, the foundation is something which um, we set up in 2005. Our son obviously suffered from epilepsy at a very young age. He's outgrown that now. Um, he's he's voluntarily on his way. He's 18, so he's in his last year of school, so he's doing well. But um, from that, that, from that, you know, life-changing moment it was a catalyst for us to set up our foundation and help with initially we, we set up four playgrounds in different uh, children's and women's hospitals throughout the country one in Brisbane uh, two in Sydney children's hospital at, at Westmead and uh, and the one in Sydney near Randwick and then we also did it in Canberra and so that was just to provide respite for families and children who have long extended stays or short-term stays in those facilities. And the things you take for granted when you're in a hospital is like play, um, getting into the outdoors and having something um, to take your mind off being in a place such as a hospital. Um, so that was that was really well received and really well supported. And then we've also, for probably nearly 15 years now, 10 to 15 years now, we've supported a fellowship uh, who specialises in the area of diagnosis and also uh, treatment of epilepsy for young children. So we've done that with Deepak Gill with uh, Westmead Children's Hospital. And that's something we continue to support. But we're going to look to just really focus on that moving forward and, and pretty much, uh, you know, we'll probably get our foundation uh, heading in that direction. 
And you're also consulting and uh, doing some fair bit of speaking. You're an, you're an ambassador for HSBC and for Jaguar Land Rover. So you're keeping yourself busy, George. Yeah, it was always busy. So I remember someone telling me when you retired, they said, you're probably going to find yourself busier than when you when you were playing because a lot of things you said you couldn't do because you were travelling, you were preparing for test matches, etc. But uh, it's definitely been the case. But it's a good balance. It's a, it's a balance of um, they've been very good supporters of mine throughout my career and, and post-career. And they do some great stuff around rugby. They're really big supporters of the game. From like I know with HSBC, it's the Seven Series. Also with the Wallabies. Same with Jaguar Land Rover, Rugby World Cup, Grassroots, all around the globe. So no, they're they're great things to be part of. As I said, you never really get away from rugby, and that's been a huge part of my life. Continues to be, and I've been very grateful for what it uh, provided me. Great to talk to you, George. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Alan. I've been talking to George Gregan, the former Wallaby and director of PTP and uh, chairman of uh, George Gregan Group. Thanks very much, George. Thank you.